And of course, for all my listeners in the Georgia area, you can come out to Booch Fest at the Anchor Bar in Kennesaw, Georgia. Located at 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. Again, that address is 2708 Town Center Drive, Kennesaw, Georgia, 30144. The next two shows will be Thursday, December 8th, and Thursday, December 22nd. The show will be hosted by me, and it will feature some of the funniest comics the Atlanta comedy scene has to offer. Some have been doing it for years, some who are relatively new, and some who may even be stepping on a comedy stage for the very first time. All comedy acts, no matter how long they've been performing, are welcome to be in this show. So come on down for a great night of comedy as the Booch is taking over Kennesaw. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time again as we are bringing back the WWE Classic Pay-Per-View Review. Where we Hold take up. what? Mr. Bridgebender, it is not always WWE Classic Pay-Per-View Reviews. True, but lately they've been WWE. That's because we can't pick shit that fucking ain't WWE. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, they own a lot of the content, so what does it matter? That's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yes, that's the way the cookie crumble. Absolutely. Guys. Anyway, yes. hello, I'm Gator. Yes, and this is the special segment where myself and Gator Ricky Ross take a look back at some classic pay-per-views from yesteryear. And what we do is we analyze them from the perspective of not only wrestling fans who watched them back in the day, but also from the perspective of two people who work in the wrestling business. Gator, of course, as a known for being a wrestler, a manager, a commentator, ring announcer, referee. He pretty much had the indie scene covered. And I, of course, have my background in uh, ring announcing, commentary, and a lot of behind-the-scenes shit that I don't ever want to talk about. Uh, but anyway, uh, those are our experiences, our perspectives on uh, on what we've done in the business. So we take that knowledge, combine it, and take a look back at some classic pay-per-views. And right now, we have chosen the 1998 King of the Ring. Now, before I go into the explanation and all the traditional stuff that I do with this, we need to preface this on one thing. Um, Gator and I are not 100% certain if we've ever talked about this pay-per-view or not. We seriously cannot remember. I have tried to dig through the archives of the Boochcast here on SoundCloud. I have yet to find anything that has said we have talked about this. So, if we have talked about this in the past, we apologize to everybody that listened to the first that listened to that first time, if there is one, and sorry we're wasting your time by doing this again. Those of you that have not heard that, well, if we, or if we haven't done it, well, then you got something brand new to listen to and um, chances are what we're about to do right now will probably be ten times better 
than whatever we did before, if we did anything before. So, we're just taking a gamble right now. I said, Gator, do you want to record anyway? He said, yeah, fuck it. So, fuck it, we're doing it. Well, I'm always going to say, yeah, fuck it, because that's me. Exactly. So, King of the Ring 1998. This was the sixth annual King of the Ring wrestling pay-per-view. It was produced by the WWE. It took place on June 28th, 1998 at the Pittsburgh Civic Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, it was, of course, uh, there was 17,087 people there. The tagline was, off with their heads, which is why the logo was a fucking guillotine and all that. It was fucking yes. Guillotine is bad. Yes, the guillotine is bad. Guillotine is bad. It's just bad. The guillotines are bad. So, Mr. Bridge, really, what the actual fuck? What? I just said they were bad. That they're bad. You know, guillotines right, are bad. Okay, all right, stop. Okay, gay are bad now, Miss Boudreaux. Gator, don't be jelly. Being jelly is bad. Don't be jelly. Okay. So, anyways, uh, so obviously now, for those of you who may not know, and if you don't know, uh, I don't know how you became a wrestling fan, King of the Ring kind of works like this. They have qualifying rounds, then there's a quarterfinal match, four matches, so there's eight people that qualify for the King of the Ring, eight wrestlers. Then they got the quarterfinal, semifinal, the final, and the winner's the King of the Ring, gets a crown and a throne and all that fun shit, and Usually that's about it. Sometimes they get a title shot if they're lucky. So anyway. Um, Basically, children, it's a fucking tournament. Yes, it's a tournament. And um, uh, I, I, before we get into the pay-per-view, I do have one quarrel with the King of the Ring, at least this year. Um, I have, a, I have a, a thing about the King of the Ring. This is how I feel about it. I feel like if you're going to have a King of the Ring tournament at a King of the Ring pay-per-view, I think 90% of the show should be the King of the Ring tournament. I don't like the fact that just the semifinals and the finals were on this show. I think the quarterfinals should have been here as well. Keep the qualifying matches on TV, but there should have no, been... No, the qualifiers should be on TV, but the actual tournament itself, from the beginning to the end, should be on the goddamn ship. You get what I'm saying? And then, so you have the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the finals, and then after that, you can have the Hell in a Cell and the First Blood match, and that's about it. Maybe one more of those matches, and maybe one more special match to throw in in between the quarterfinals semi-final whatever but I do feel like yeah we're gonna get to that in a minute but I feel like Jesus a lot but I feel like that the King of the Ring tournament should be the bulk of the pay-per-view otherwise why are you calling it the King of the Ring when there's only three matches on the card that actually pertain to the actual King of the Ring and everything else is just random shit most of this we did not need because, to fucking see on this show because Squire of the Square didn't sound right really because it sounds fucking awesome fucking Squire of the Square are you kidding me I would fucking love that I'm surprised nobody on the indies has done that shut up what do you mean has somebody already done that it's been done it's been done huh that's been done I've done it <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, wow, never mind. But anyway. <laughs> Don't judge me, bitch. I'm not judging you. In fact, I want to ask your permission to borrow that one day. Uh, go for it. All right. Squire of the go Square. For it. Fucking love I'm that. Not stealing anybody's gimmicks. Uh, it's not stealing if you get permission. Woo me. Just don't boo me. Anyway. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. It's not stealing if I got permission. Yes. Let me make Please, it clear. Could I use yeah, Gator, let me make it clear. I, I am asking God. your permission for Squire of the Square. Stop, stop, just stop. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm going to stop. Gently, unless you want me to gently go the fuck off. I'm not going to let you, I, I don't want you to go the fuck off, Gator, come on. I know, I'm about to go the fuck off because that, that, that voice just makes me want to go the fuck off. All right, it's a joke, relax. No, it's not a joke. Gator, Some Gator, it's stop getting your to me, damn it. Gator, untwist your panties. Stop getting them in a twist. Untwist them. Untwist your panties, please. All right. Now, we get to the king of the ring. Now, as I've mentioned before, uh, I prefer the whole tournament to be there. But since it's not, we'll give you guys... Here's what happened leading up to the king of the ring tournament. The, the, the qualifying matches were The Rock defeated Vader to qualify for the king of the ring. Triple H defeated his buddy X-Pac to qualify for the king of the ring. Owen Hart defeated Scorpio Sky to qualify for the king of the ring. No, not Scorpio Sky. Sorry, two gold Scorpio. Fuck. Sorry. I've been, shut, I've been, shut up. Shut up. Just I've, shut up. I've been doing too much AEW. All right? Give me a break. Flash fuck, bitches. Flash Funk, whatever. Anyway, D'Lo Brown defeated... No, Dan Severn defeated D'Lo Brown to qualify for the King of the Ring tournament. Ken Shamrock defeated Kama Mustafa to qualify for the King of the Ring tournament. He, he defeated the Godfather. Yes. Mark Henry defeated Terry Funk to qualify. Jeff Jarrett defeated Farouk to qualify. And Mark Marrow defeated Steve Blackman to qualify for the King of the Ring tournament. Then we had the quarterfinals, which should have been on the pay-per-view, but they were on TV, which is fucking stupid. But anyway, The Rock beat Triple H to make it to the semifinals. Dan Severin defeated Owen Hart to make it in. Ken Shamrock defeated Mark Henry 
to make it in, and Jeff Jarrett defeated Mark Marrow to make it in. So those are the, those are the guys that are on the pay-per-view. We'll get to them in a minute. We're going to start things off now. They're on the pay-per-view. They're gonna, I'm sorry, I just like the way you said that. Yes, and uh, we're going to kick things off with the first official match of the evening, a six-man tag match. Oh, dear God. Um, the Headbangers, Mosh and Thrasher, and Taka Michinuku against Kai and Tai, Funaki, Men's Teal, and Dick Togo. Jesus, children, Jesus. Which is what I was repenting to while this whole fucking match was playing. Yeah. You know, because there is no God, Mr. Bujarelli. There is no God? No. No, there's not, because this whole, this whole damn match, Mr. Bujarelli, this whole match, the whole match, you know what it was? What? It was literally just Japanese strong style bullshit. Yep. The only thing missing I mean, was, was the gibberish. Yeah. Then come to the headbangers and they fucked it all to hell. Oh, God. The match had a little bit of pace to it and then the headbangers came in and they all went through shit. Yeah. This match made no fucking sense at all. And also, the thing that I found the most interesting was, I know, the only thing, when it comes to Kai and Tai, and this is just from when I'm a kid. I only remember Kai and Tai being Takamichi Nuku and Funaki as a tag team with English with the English dub promos. I had no idea Kai and Tai was a whole goddamn faction. This was news to me. Yeah, I mean it it was it was it's different. See, Dick Togo, I don't know if you're familiar with or not, but he's a fucking garbage bag guy from Japan. A garbage bag guy? He did shitty garbage bag deathmatch bullshit. Oh, okay. For a second there, I thought he was like the Japanese version of Duke the Dumpster or something. I didn't know what that meant. Say what? For a moment there, I thought you were telling me he was the Japanese version of Duke the Dumpster. No, 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 no. This guy was more... This guy just did a bunch of fucking deathmatches. That's all he ever did. Okay. I mean, so this guy is very well known for being the deathmatch bullshit guy. The outlaw motherfucker. Yes. So, anyway, moving on. Yeah, it was six minutes and 44 seconds of what the fuck. Takamichi Nuku trying to be a headbanger, which was fucking weird. And then... Yeah, just wait. Just This was just a waste of everything. Like I said, a quarterfinal match could have been here and saved us a lot of drama instead of this stupid shit. Or... It gets worse. Hashtag set the bitch on fire. We'll get to that in a minute. Um... <laughs> On that note, we get to the next match of the evening. This was the semi-final match in the King of the Ring tournament, and it's Ken Shamrock versus J-E-double-F, J-A-double-R-E-double-T, Jeff Jarrett with Tennessee Lee. This was a clusterfuck. <laughs> How so? I'm going to tell you why it's a clusterfuck, because Tennessee Lee was on some shit. Tennessee Lee was on some shit? Had to be, because he, did, he had one spot, one spot, and he fucked it up. How so? He get over there. He got over there to pull the leg, and he didn't even reach for the leg. Maybe it was Shamrock. I, maybe I missed Nomerd where it was, but fucking stupid, dude. I mean, this was just some bullshit filler, basically. Yeah, it really was. It was just you're just sitting there going, "What the fuck is this? What is going on?" It was five minutes and twenty nine seconds, which means it was a short match. And you know, the the thing that took the longest was Jeff Jarrett's fucking entrance, which I'm like, you gotta keep in mind they spent money on that, like. How did this man, the fact that Jeff Jarrett never became the WWE champion with all this stuff they invested in him, shocks the hell out of me. Mr. Budrelli, if you suck enough dick, you can get whatever you want. Okay. Hashtag, sometimes you gotta suck a little dick. And you're saying that's what Jeff did? Yes, Mr. Budrelli. He went in there and he, I'm talking about sucking proverbial dick, not real dick. Okay, we well need to clarify that for the listeners, Gator. Oh, he didn't suck real dick, he's not gay. Okay, thank you. Even though Pat Patterson would have loved that, but anyway. Um, <laughs> he was a peacock, he had to learn to fly. <laughs> What the fuck does that mean? Mr. Budrelli, sometimes in life, when you're a peacock, you gotta learn to fly. I see. All right. Well, anyway, we're getting off this crazy train topic here. Um, and we're gonna move peacock, on to that. You're not a peacock. Yes. And the next match of the evening, we have a. This is a semi. Another semi-final match in the King of the Ring tournament. The Rock goes one-on-one with Dan Severin. This was shit. It. It just gets too. Say this nicely. It was too clunky because Severn is this, you know, he's trying to be the shoot guy, and you can clearly hear Rock say, God damn it. Yeah. Because he was just working kind of, kind of fucking stiff as a bitch. Did, like, you, did you hear Rock? Did you hear Rock say, God damn it? I think I might have heard it once. He goes, God damn it. After that fucking ta- double takedown, that double leg takedown dude was terrible. Yeah. It's... I mean, it just was not, it didn't. 
clunky. Very clunky. I think he's one of those UFC guys that like tried to make it UFC and kept forgetting. This is a work. He was a penguin. He had to learn to fly. What the fuck are you talking about? Mr. Vigilelli, sometimes men are peacocks and they can fly. Other times, they're fucking uh, penguins and they can't fly. What the fuck? Look, Gator, you need to pay attention, all right? You can't put a porcupine in a barn, light on fire, and expect to make licorice. Can we please get focus on the match? Mr. Vigilelli? What? If that's how you make licorice, I want the recipe. I will. I see. So, but I will say, um, I, I like I said, hashtag, I was hashtag liquor dick. Yes, but anyway, it was like four minutes and twenty five seconds. It felt like forever, by the way. It was four minutes and twenty five seconds of my life. I can't get back. Yeah, it was. It was disappointing. Like, it was like watching a Derek Shapiro movie. You just want it to fucking end. Exactly. Or you, you basically just fast forward to my scene and then shut it off. I didn't even do that. I just wanted it to fucking end. Fuck you. I'm a great actor. So first off, it wasn't your acting. It was terrible. Writing. I know, but I'm saying you can at least watch my scene. Because I, I took. Just because I, it's a turd and you fucking polish it does not mean it's still not a fucking turd. Look, I took I took his chicken shit and turned it into chicken salad. Okay. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. It still tasted like chicken shit. No, it didn't. So anyway, um. Mr. Bidre- Mr. Bidrelli, Leonardo DiCaprio couldn't have saved that shit. <laughs> no, but Matthew McConaughey could have. No, he couldn't have. Be not a lot. Even, hey, be a lot cooler if you did. So. Not even fucking. So anyway, um... Not even Dwayne the fucking Rock Johnson could have saved that shit. Nah. He sure as hell couldn't save this match, even though it took the nation to help him beat Dan Severn and advance. It, I was, get... like, it was like the goddamn Titanic. We knew the bitch was going down, but still, we watched the stupid shit. Yes, we did. So, yeah. So, The Rock advances to the finals of the tournament, so it'll now be him and Ken Shamrock. But before we get to that match, we have another match on the card. Oh, dear God, help me. It's a team of... It's a tag team match, I guess. Too much... Which is Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor. Apparently they were too much before they were too cool. Versus Al Snow and Head with special guest referee Jerry the King Lawler. Jerry's kid! <laughs> this was this was um something. This is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in wrestling. I've seen a lot of dumb shit. No, no it's not. No, it's true. I did see the invisible man versus invisible stand. So this oh is my second God, yes. This is the second dumbest thing I've ever seen. So Oh no it's not. That's right, I did see the social distancing match. Social distancing, too. yep. So this is number three, third worst thing I've seen. Um but anyway, what the fuck? I mean I, I don't even know how I mean it was decent for a, I mean it was basically a handicap match, and then he tagged the fucking head in And they put and started started beating hold on, wait a minute. Started beating people up with head as Jerry is doing these Slow fucking double check the shoulders down. Fucking counts. And we get to this. We get to the finish. Go ahead, Mr. Budrelli. We get to the finish. We get to the finish, and Al Snow is trying to pin Scott Taylor, which Jerry Lawler is not paying attention to. But and he's not the legal man. No, he's not the legal man. Head is the legal man. So Brian Christopher takes a fucking shampoo bottle of head and shoulders. Get it? Head and shoulders. And puts it. Get put, it? Yes. Puts the head inside the bottle, covers the bottle, and Jerry Lawler counts one, two, three. And too much wins the match. Al Snow loses, and apparently he's kayfabe out of the WWF. And then he comes back the next night on fucking Raw. Really? Yeah. Okay, so this was fucking stupid and pointless. Yeah. At least the King of the Ring semifinals weren't great, but at least they served a purpose. This served no purpose in this show. This is about as useless as a six-man tag. Oh, no. No, it's not. It's even more useless. Like Zachary's penis. Yes. Okay, so on that note, we're now going to move on to the next match of the evening. We have X-Pac versus Owen Hart. Oh, I love this. I love this. Oh, finally. They told a fucking story. Oh, my God. The physicality, Mr. Madrid, the physicality. Yes. Well, there's no talk of Owen Hart having a bad match. Owen Hart pretty much had a good... Owen Hart pretty... I disagree with that. Okay. There was a match he had. It was him and... Him and the British Bulldog... No, him and Yokozuna versus... Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog on one of the in-your houses, and that was shitty. Okay. But it wasn't Owen's fault. It wasn't Owen's fault. I figured that. But anyway, um, but yeah, so this was actually a really great match. Um, yeah, fuck you, Cornette. What, Corny didn't like it? No, Corny was in it. He was managed to, he was Yokozuna's uh, American fucking translator guy. I'm talking about the X-Pac Owen Hart match. Oh, no, 
the physicality was great. It told a good story. Um, this was actually one of my favorite matches of the night because the only thing was the fucking Bronco. Did you see the Bronco Buster in this? Yes, I did. Did you notice that there was no contact? Yes. W2F. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, fuck? Either do it or don't. What is this half-ass shit? Did X-Pac just not want to do it? Did Owen say, don't touch me like that because I ain't like that or whatever? Like, what was that about? Yeah, don't, don't, don't touch me. If you touch me like this, you're gonna feel me like that. But I'm trying to figure out, why else would you not make contact with a Brock Bronco Buster? Don't. Don't you want me? No. Next question, please. So... Hashtag the wiggle. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so we saw X-Pac ended up getting the victory over Owen Hart, I think. Did Triple H interfere in this match? Fucking China. Let me explain. Okay, so China okay. did the sin that managers don't do. Okay. She interfered too goddamn much. Yes. Too much China. Too much China. Yeah. But it's okay, because X-Pac won. You know what he won, Mr. Bidrelli? What he won? One night in China. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, it would be a it would be a few years before he would collect that prize. But yes, China did uh, overdo it, which is you know because I think usually the standard is you get two spots to interfere in a match when you're a manager. At the most, at the most, at the most, yeah, you don't overdo it. Which and of course, China hit a DDT on Owen Hart, but I think in this case we can make an exception, seeing that China was a big jacked up chick that ran with the boys all the time in the ring. So yeah, I can not, let that I'm slide. I know. Now, I'm just saying that I've said in the past with Zelina Vega, that's a bad thing. I'm making an exception for China. Well, yeah, I mean, it was different for her. But anyway, yeah. we're going we're gonna to get more into China and her tomfoolery in a later match here. Okay. When she when she uh, forgets her fucking cue. Okay. And, uh, oh, I, yes. She forgets her cue, and there's a gentleman with who's fucking standing there waiting for his nuts to be slammed, and she never does it. Okay. Hashtag fuck you, bitch. Hashtag you fuck my corny. Well, speaking of, well, speaking of, well, speaking of corns getting fucked, uh, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have the New Age Outlaws. This is for the WWF Tag right Team here. Titles. This is it. The New Age Outlaws, Billy Gunn and Road Dog with China, defend the titles against the new Midnight Express, featuring Bodacious Bart, aka Bart Gunn, and oh, Bombastic God. Bob, aka Bob Holly, with Jim Cornette. Where do I start? Wherever you'd like. First off, this is not the Midnight Express. This is bullshit imposters. <laughs> well, they couldn't. Well, they probably couldn't get the new Midnight Express, or didn't want them. This is bullshit imposters, Mister Budrelli. They're imposters. What's the matter? Which is not. Hmm? Why do you care? I can't say why I care, but I care. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was so bad because Corny didn't even come out with his fucking tennis racket. He was so. He was so fucking pissed. What are you talking about? He had the tennis racket. No, he didn't. Go back, watch the shit. Then, then who did he hit with the tennis racket? No one. Was I watching a different pay-per-view? Because I remember him hitting somebody with a goddamn tennis racket. He never hit him with a tennis racket. He used his fucking hand. Okay. Anyway, so he's standing there during his fucking spot. China's supposed to come in and hit him in the fucking nuts. She misses her fucking cue. Mr. Bidrelli, she missed her fucking cue. Well, wait, didn't she hit him in the nuts eventually? Yeah, after 45 minutes of standing there by his with his fucking nuts exposed, looking menacing, even though Billy Gunn is standing there and he's... he's they're supposed to be doing something. There's no fucking... Mr. Bidrelli, there's no fucking psychology. <laughs> well, is that why no Billy Gunn kind of signaled China eventually? Yes, he had to fucking signal him. Yeah. Why would China... Why Do you, do you know why China missed her cue? Because she's a bitch. So you're saying she intentionally missed her cue? No, she just wasn't paying attention. She was out there fucking jawjacking her doing some stupid shit that you never get too involved or you're fucking jawjacking. Yeah, and then of course, eventually she does hit him in the nuts and Jim Cornette sells the shit out of it. Yo, he sold the fucking hell out of that. By the way, best sell in the managerial game. Oh yeah, like he literally was like shaking, he like rolls out of the ring. Like, Corny was never afraid to, to look stupid when he sold something. Oh God, no. He, I can't say anything because I'm I'm pretty good at doing the same similar shit. Yeah, like he really knew the managerial well, role very Mr. well. Adrelli, you've seen me sell. Yes, I have. Can't you? Would you? Would you say I'm a similar seller? Yes. So. I see your point. No, we're praising my selling. Yeah. F- yes, you sell very well. Now, can we get back to the match, please? No, uh, my dick has not been stroked enough. I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> yes. Anyway, this match was was okay. The finish was fucked, and it was too much China. Yeah, I mean, overall, like I said, it was, it was a good tag team match because obviously the New Age Outlaws—they're very—they're very good at what they do. The New Midnight Express was just odd. Like it was one of those it things was where weird, it was a weird—it was a weird combination. I, 
yeah, I think this was during that awkward moment where Cornette was trying to, where they were trying to bring some NWA style stuff in there, and just fans weren't getting. Well, they were it. trying to do an NWA style like, invasion, and just the fans weren't getting into it. No, there was no love. Yeah, they they didn't want NWA. They didn't want traditional wrestling. They wanted the the edgy shit that the Attitude Era brought. They were like they were the guys that that shunned that old school that old school method. Hashtag hashtag the bullshit, Mister Bushbelly. The bullshit. Yeah, which is why ironically a lot of older fans that time turned away from the Attitude Era. Um, but anyway, yeah, yeah. but anyway, on that note, we're going to the next match of the evening, the finals of the King of the Ring tournament, Ken Shamrock versus The Rock. Did anybody else know China was bilingual? No, I did not. Who fucking knew? Holy fuck, she spoke, like, like, was she speaking, like, actual Spanish, or was she just spewing random fucking words? No, she was speaking perfect fucking Spanish. Holy shit. Which is weird, because she later became a teacher in Japan. Yeah, perfect fucking Spanish. Fucking crazy. Who knew? I never knew. I never knew she spoke Spanish. Triple H has a couple of great one-liners on uh, commentary. Yes, very much so. Uh, my favorite being, uh, what is... What are you biased here? Says Jr. Triple H says, "No, there's a lot of bad things that I am, but biased isn't one of them." <laughs> Wait a minute, did I mean to say it like that? Yeah, Triple H is, Triple H was always willing to cross those edgy lines back in the day. That's just who he is. Oh, it was beautiful, Mister oh, It was beautiful. Oh, it was very beautiful. And you know he and they and they had Triple H come out, of course, because he won the King of the Ring last year. They wanted to do commentary for this match, which was insane. And well, they're still trying to build the Triple H Rock feud for the Intercontinental title. Yeah. Um, because later that year during that SummerSlam is when they have that iconic ladder match. Yes, which, you know, someday we'll get to that. And, well, yeah, of course, but that's one of my favorite ladder matches of all time. So. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, and of course, The Rock was coming to the Reigns Intercontinental Champion. And speaking of The Rock, obviously, Ken Shamrock ended up making The Rock tap out to the ankle lock before, um, you know, winning the King, ultimately winning the King of the Ring. Um, I like, the one thing I will say about the finish that I like is the fact that they dragged out the ankle lock submission before, they dragged it out before The Rock tapped and they dragged it out by having the rock grab the referee's shirt and then eventually the referee swatted the rock's hand away and that's when he tapped so 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 it was mainly the rock trying to get a little leverage and that's what the whole thing was oh rock's got some leverage he's not got full fucking he didn't have the full move on rock has leverage rock has leverage and then whatever yeah, and I, and I know we've talked about this off air, but I want to say it publicly right now. I felt The Rock should have won this. Uh, he could have. He could have easily because it would have, it still would have made him okay and push him up into that storyline with Triple H even more. It would have gave them more to work with on the storyline with Triple H. Yeah. You know, because then it would have been, they could have added, added in the animosity about having, well, I won King of the Ring this year. Well, I won it last year. Yeah, I mean, it would have also, but also because it would have elevated The Rock, who clearly was on the fast track success. Why do they give this to Ken Shamrock, especially when they didn't even push him after this? At, at yeah, best, he was Intercontinental Champion at best. He had a tag team title reign with the boss, man. He did that corporation crap later. Um, It was just Ken Shamrock never went anywhere after this, and I never understood why would you give a King of the Ring victory to somebody you're not going to push? Makes no sense to me. I even see that with the Royal Rumble sometimes. There were a couple of people on the Rumble. I'm like, why did this guy win? You didn't even push him that far. It's ridiculous. Obviously, I'm talking about later years, not the glory days of the Rumble, because in the glory days of the Rumble, they actually became fucking stars. But... Well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, because in the first couple of Rumbles, when you won the Rumble, all you won was bragging rights. Well, yeah, I'm talking about, like, I'm talking about the mid-years the mid of the Rumble. That's the glory days to me. Not Those are the olden days. I'm talking about the glory days. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, th- this is ridiculous. You, you weren't even going to push Ken Shamrock. Meanwhile, The Rock is one of the biggest stars in your company. He's Granted, he's still a mid-carder, but he's fucking a star on the rise. Later that year in November, he's going to win the WWF title and become... You mean like Corny's nuts were when he got hit by Chiners? Yeah, and he's going to become the biggest freaking star the biggest he's gonna be basically he's he's on the verge of becoming their top heel he's on the cusp of becoming their top heel if he's not already and you give it to fucking ken shamrock when you had when you practically did nothing with him i thought that was stupid 100 well, so this is a this, well, this total king of the ring was shit i mean yeah, there's better 
better ways it could have been done. Way better. Better ways it could have been done. They still could have had him win and push him to the, you know what I'm saying? Push him to the moon with his storyline with Triple H, even if he won. Because yes. you could have done the whole, you could have done, like I said before, the winner versus the winner last year. And the thing is this, more people would remember The Rock winning the King of the Ring than Ken Shamrock winning the King of the Ring. More people would have cared about it. Because after a period of time, no one gave a shit about Ken Shamrock. Hell, the last time you saw him in anything wrestling related, he was he, he made he had a run in Impact Wrestling, which I don't even know if he's still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, like I'm, you know, obviously Ken obviously Ken Shamrock is a is a future Hall of Famer. Definitely deserves to go in just on his accolades alone. But still, this is you know ridiculous that he got this King of the Ring victory when you were gonna do nothing with him to begin with. It was stupid. But yes. Anyway, on that note, we're gonna move on to the next match of the evening. Pretty much the only thing people remember from this entire pay per view period. Nothing. Everything else on this show, to quote a another future Hall of Famer, was obsolete. But Uh, this to to quote to quote a very famous professional wrestling manager, it was the shitty. The next match. Is shitty? No. Everything else that was on this pay-per-view was hashtag the shitty. Yes, but I'm talking about like I'm talking about as far as memory, what you remember. Oh, yeah, There's only one. This is, the, this is what people the only people only remember one match on this entire card, and that is the match I'm talking about right now: the infamous Hell in a Cell match, The Undertaker versus Mankind. I love this. This this match told a story. This match. I mean, granted. Let me let me first start off by saying you would never see this shit going on today. Oh no, 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 fuck no, fuck no. Fuck. Hashtag Mr. Bidrelli, you ready? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Say it with me. Hashtag fuck, fuck no. Fuck that bump. Fuck that bump. Fuck that bump. Fuck that bump. The most oh. iconic bump in all of WWE. What? The Undertaker tossing mankind off the cell to the floor and hearing the words, Good God Almighty, that killed him. As God is my witness, he is broken in half. Let me just say something. He actually took that quite well for, for what it was. Yeah. He, he did it as safely as he could, but fuck that bump. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck that bump. I'm not taking, I mean, I've taken ladder bumps, but I'm not taking no stupid shit like that. Oh my God. And here's the thing. Oh my God. You're looking at this match and you're, and, and with the way everything's going, you're thinking this match is over. Like, yeah. like it's over. We just when got, you watch this, when you watch this pay-per-view for the first time, if you're not familiar with this match, you're sitting here like, oh my God, this fucking thing's done. Here's, it's done. Here's how bad it was. And you're not even mad about it. You're not even mad that, that's, that it's over after that. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I wouldn't have been. If that had ended right there, I would not have been mad. You wouldn't have been mad. I guarantee you there would have been some fans in that stands pissed. I don't think so, just because of the fucking bump, but that's just me. Yeah, I think they'd have sympathy for the bump, but they would be pissed that that's the end of the match and everything else. Like, But anyway, Foley gets off the fucking stretcher, climbs back up the goddamn cell. Taker was already halfway back down. And then all of a sudden, he's like, all right, guess we're doing it. He climbs back up. He's following Foley's lead, which Taker don't always do that. Taker doesn't always follow. Yeah. Foley's one of the few people that Taker will follow the lead of that person. He's one of the few. Yeah, I don't. This thing, this, this thing gets a little rough. I mean, they, they fight again on top. And from what I have read and listened to podcast-wise on this, apparently the original spot was it was supposed to, the page was supposed to break on after what was it three choke slams or something like that yeah one choke slam and the motherfucker collapses yeah and Foley takes the whole brunt of that shit on his goddamn shoulder there was no he if he had took that bump flat he would have fucking paralyzed himself oh damn I know so I hate people that say well Foley didn't take that bump right he fell he, he didn't know how to fall he didn't know how to fall look motherfucker if he took that shit correctly and didn't roll on his goddamn shoulder like he did he would have Fucking killed himself. Yeah, he would have died. He would have been paralyzed at least. And here's at the least. thing. So I don't want to hear nobody else fucking say Foley took a bad bump. A 
Foley took I mean which he did take a bad bump yeah it's a bad Foley bump Foley didn't take that right Foley didn't take that right Foley didn't take that right motherfuck you who says that I never heard anybody say oh, that I've heard young green guys say that shit really yeah that's that's one way to get your fucking face knocked over oh I, I would do it and I'm an announcer and I would fucking I, do that shit some guys some guys are like well he didn't take that shit properly if he and I'm telling you this from somebody who has taken bumps from high up in the air granted not as high as Foley took that but I have taken some high risk bumps I've taken a few ladder bumps and I've taken a couple cage bumps so I've taken some high risk bumps yeah when you're coming down if you have a feeling that you're not going to land properly when you have a feeling that if you land a certain way you're gonna fucking die you twist in the air and you freaking fix it yeah there was no proper way to take that fucking bump the way it happened and talking to Foley personally if he hadn't turned midair he would have he would have been paralyzed yeah he would have been paralyzed and, and here's the thing and, and everyone's going crazy everyone's screaming someone stopped the damn match here's how you knew shit was fucked up Vince McMahon broke kayfabe uh-huh. Vince McMahon the there. evil the evil billionaire who just came out earlier in that show mocking the fans and saying how they're full of disappointment your disappointment to your family your disappointment to your parents your disappointment in life just cutting a heel promo burying the fans he came running out to help Mick check on Mick he came out the doctor came out Francois Partit came out Terry Funk was there. Uh, well, Terry fed into the Undertaker. So here's what Terry did, and this is a this is a fucking legend move right here. Okay, Foley wanted time so Foley could breathe. So Terry fed into the Undertaker, trying to catch some type of you know something to give the fans something. Terry fed in and took that damn choke slam. Yeah. To get Mick time. Yeah. And when Mick fucking oh my god, when Mick fucking fell, and you see. You see Vance hit the ring, Sergeant Slaughter hit the ring, Jerry hit the, Jerry Lawler hit the freaking ring. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, the King's not going to hit the ring unless he actually has to. Yeah. I mean, not, not too many guys are going to hit the ring unless they got to. Yeah. Um, not, not in, because they're, they're told mainly in color commentary, stay there. Yeah. Um, in, I want to say it was 2004, uh, TLC, I want to say four, TLC four, might've been three. It was a TLC match on SmackDown and it was your normal TLC guys, Ed and Christian, the Hardys, you know, the Dudleys. And then it had Benoit and Jericho and Benoit bucks his neck up royally and has jumps up from the commentary desk and goes, goes down to Benoit and says, get help, get help now. So I'm just saying if you ever see that situation, nine times out of ten, somebody's fucking hurt. They got to be. They got to be hurt, you know? Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, he was hurt. He was hurt. Yeah. But yeah, so anyway, and the thing is, Mankind got up and the match continued. Not only that, it lasted 17 minutes yeah. until eventually a tombstone ended it. He took two bumps on fucking thumbtacks. Jesus Christ, Mick Foley is a freak of fucking nature. Like, I don't understand how anyone in this business could say anything bad about this man. Not just because he's a nice guy and all that, but I don't know anybody else that would have got up from that. I can't name one. Maybe, okay, okay, maybe, okay, I take that back. Maybe Shane. Maybe Shane McMahon. But outside of him, I couldn't think of anybody else that would have survived that shit. And the fact that he still feels that pain to this day, and the fact that it was such a crazy thing. In fact, I remember uh, Mick Foley said that when he, when he finally got to the back, and it was over. And he walked to the back, by the way. They tried to put him on a stretcher again. He's like, nope, I'm walking. They had two people helping yeah, to the back. Here's the, here's, the, here's the thing, okay? So I've, I, in preparation for this, I have also listened to Foley talk about it himself. And Foley said, look, I apparently have a two-stretcher rule. I'm not going to get on a stretcher twice in one night. <laughs> Who fucking knew? But I also listened to Bruce Bruce Pritchard talk about this, and Bruce was Bruce also came out there. I don't know if y'all saw Bruce. Bruce was out there. Um, Bruce, when the match ends, Foley comes back to the back, standing ovation, and fuck, he told Bruce, Bruce, I'm sorry, man, I didn't get the thumbtacks in. With and and Bruce is sitting there talking to him. He's got his arm around him, and he's got about fifteen or so thumbtacks on his shoulder, and he tells 
Bruce tells Foley, man, you got him in, Nick. You got him in. <laughs> Damn. Ain't that some shit? Yeah. And the thing is, is that later on, Foley went to the back, and he, obviously, he was he was later face-to-face with Vince McMahon, and Vince said these exact words to Mick Foley. Thank you for everything you did out there. Never fucking do that again. So he thanked him for all of that. He gave him all the credit in the world for taking those bumps and continuing the match, but he told Foley, never fucking do that again. And you notice since then, about, Foley never took a crazy a bump later, like that since. about a year later, he scrambled his fucking brains. What? And then about a year later, he gets his brains fucking scrambled. When? 99. This was 98. Oh, right. Right. For those that don't understand what I'm referring to, so this match, he does this shit, and Vince tells him, don't you ever do that shit again. Then we get to 99, Royal Rumble 99, which we covered on a previous episode. Go back and check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So we won't... Yeah. We're not going to get into too much of it, but those... Fucking chair shot. Yeah. But let, let me just preface by saying I have watched Beyond the Mat now, Mr. Budrelli. Yes. And I, I didn't think, I thought a lot of those chair shots, I thought they were brutal, but I didn't realize how fucking brutal they were. I mean, I, I knew they were brutal. I knew they were really bad, unprotected chair shots, okay? Yes. I'm not downplaying that. They got even worse for me when I watched them again and listened to Noel fucking bowling. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, and... By the way, if you want to go back and listen to our thoughts on Royal Rumble 99, the title of the episode of that Boochcast is If the Lies Don't Fit, You Must Acquit, Part 1. Yes. That's the episode that has Royal Rumble 99. Part Uno, but Part- those fucking, oh my god, those chair shots. They were, yes, but yeah, so, but yeah, and then, so, that was the insane part of this match. And then... Do you think- do you think his kids watched that match? What, the Hell in a Cell? Yeah. Probably not. I hope not. I doubt it. Hell, I, I think the only reason... I hope, that... I hope Colette had enough sense to be like, no. Well, I think that back then they weren't. They were worried but not as worried. I think the reason they came for that was because it was him in a championship match in the main event and also Beyond the Mat was there so they wanted the... the they were, it was probably more about that because Beyond the Mat, to my knowledge, wasn't covering anything from Hell in a Cell in 98. No, but what I'm saying is... is Holy fuck. Exactly. So, anyway, we get through this 17-minute war, and then we get to the main event, which, to this day, even when I went back and watched this, I am shocked they followed this. I don't know how you follow that, but they found the best match to put after that. It was the main event for the WWF Championship, a first blood match. Stone Cold Steve Austin defends the title against Kane. This had really good story elements to it, but I think the finish was fucked. Okay. I did not like the finish. I did not like the finish of this. Because my whole thing is, is Foley, what the fuck are you doing running back down there? (laughs) I think that's because that was the plan originally, and they knew he was only going to go out there for a short while. Again, what the fuck are you doing running back out there? You've done enough. Well, that's why he didn't really, you notice he didn't do a whole lot. He got, there was a couple shots and then Austin hit a stunner. Yeah. So they didn't do too much with Foley. They needed him out there to bring the chair. He didn't really sell it either. He just fucking crumbled. And you know what? At that point, he didn't need to. He didn't need to sell it. Oh, my God. If you were mad that Foley didn't sell that stunner, you have no fucking soul. You should just shut... If you were mad he didn't sell that stunner, you need to come spend a few minutes with me in a wrestling ring. Or yeah, just just or just fuck off forever. Just seriously, no, cause... no, 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 no. If you're mad about that, Mr. Budrelli, let them spend a few minutes with me. Gator, you don't need Gator. This is Gator. There's plenty of things you can stretch these guys over. This ain't one of them. So I, I'll stretch anybody over anything. You know this. I know. So that's what I'm saying. This motherfucker. Now ain't the time. My point is. Get your ass stretched, bitch. Yeah, I got it. So anyway, um, my point is, he didn't need to sell that stunner, and he only need, and the only reason he was even out there was because Austin needed that chair for when inevitably The Undertaker came out. Which, here's what I found shocking. Taker comes out for the Hell in a Cell match in his Taker gear. But he comes walking out in the same shoot gear that he had on Monday Night Raw when he was cutting the shoot promos leading up to that. He comes out with the long hair and the weird fucking sweater that I'm convinced was not was not washed ever. Just this whole... This, this, this gray, homeless-looking sweater that, you know, the type of sweater that just screams spare change. Change for the poor, man. Change for the 
stand for the ball. You know, like that, like, that looks stupid. Like, I'm sorry, that sweater made Taker look homeless. Mommy, who's that homeless man walking to the ring? That's the Undertaker. Undertaker's homeless? So anyway, um, my point is, he comes out, swings the chair at Kane, because he wants to go after Kane. Kane ducks, he hits Austin, he hits Austin's chair, which hits Austin in the face. Now he's bleeding, and he's getting all these shots on Kane, and he's finally hitting him in the, in the turnbuckle that was exposed at the beginning of the match, which I love that version of storytelling. When something... May I I just say that was the most blatant fucking blade job by Austin I have ever seen. Okay. Alright, so anyway, my point is, what, and that's the thing about aspect about the match that I love, is when something random happens in a match, and you're sitting there going, what the fuck are they doing that for? And then like, ten minutes later into the match, that thing pops up and you go, holy shit, I love that. After you forgot about it. Yeah. After you forgot about it. Like, like when a table gets set up, or a ladder is positioned somewhere, or things like that. So he, un- he exposes the turnbuckle within the first ten seconds of the match, and they're struggling to get hit each other into that thing, and then eventually he's hitting Kane into it, doing all this shit, finally hits him with the chair, the ref rings the bell, and we find out because Austin's bleeding, he just lost the WWF title to Kane. Just to win it back again the next night. Yeah, which which was ridiculous. What was the point of that? I have no clue. I thought that was stupid. Just give it back to Austin the very next night. As if that match meant nothing. He was champion for one fucking day, and then he wouldn't hold, and here's the fucked up part. Kane wouldn't touch the world title again, unless you count the ECW title, which very few people do. Um, He would never touch a world title again till 2010. He got the ECW title in seven. Yeah, I say unless you do you count that because I because a lot of people do. Not a lot of people do. Do you count that? Are we counting that? Fine, we'll count it then. But yeah, so he gets the title in 2007, then he gets the world title in 2010. It's like, what the fuck? And here's the thing. Back then, uh, actually back then I wasn't even watching WWE yet. I was still a WCW guy. But I'll be honest. As a kid, you wouldn't have known what was going to happen. But if I had my highly evolved wrestling brain and my ability to analyze a match damn near flawlessly, as soon as Kane said, if I lose this match, I will set myself on fire. Fire. Set myself on fire. I would already know Kane was going to win this match. No doubt. Because I seriously doubt they're going to let Kane do a self-barbecue in the ring. Like an insane religious person in the middle of Times Square. What the fuck? Why? Why would that even remotely a possibility? And, and why in the, in the ever-living fuck does the Undertaker dump gasoline on the referee? To wake him up. Okay. I'm like, is he about to set the referee on fire? What the fuck is he doing? No, 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 no. That was to revive the referee. But my question is this. Why would you try to revive the referee if... You were meant to hit Kane. You accidentally hit Austin. Austin's bleeding. Why would you want to wake the referee up so Austin can lose his title if you're working with him? Because you never know. I don't know. Maybe he didn't think. Maybe he didn't think he busted Austin open. I don't fucking know what psychology is anymore. Do you really think there's psychology anymore? There's no psychology. This is 1998. There should at least be some psychology at least during this time. Psychology wasn't completely dead yet. It was getting close. Pretty close, yeah. Close. Yeah. So, but yeah, it so we had to deal with. It could be worse. It could be worse. Though. You could have gotten your brain splattered all over the place with fucking chair shot. Yeah, that at least looked believable. Half this shit didn't. Which, which he, which he recreated later in two thousand and one. No, two thousand. I see. At the Royal Rumble and that faithful street fight. Yes, I've heard Triple H and Foley tell stories about that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was the nineteen ninety eight King of the Ring, which um overall was the shitty. Except for the two headlining matches. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty much the shitty, except for the main and the semi-main. Yeah, that was it. The King of the Ring had a terrible ending, and the only other match that was even remotely interesting was X Pac and Owen. Like, here's what I would have done. If this was me, this is what I would have done. I would have had the first Blood match, the Hell in a Cell match, X Pac and Owen, and the rest was the King of the Ring tournament. Uh. That would have been it. The rest would have been the quarterfinal, the semifinal, and the final. We'd have The Rock versus Triple H, Owen Hart versus Dan Severn, Ken Shamrock versus Mark Henry, Jeff Jarrett versus Mark Merrow. Then I would have had X Pac come out with Owen Hart. Then I would have had The Rock and Dan Severn. I would have had Ken Shamrock and Jeff Jarrett. Then I would have had maybe the Hell in a Cell match. Then I would have had The Rock and Shamrock, and then Austin and Kane. That's how I would have put. That would have been how I booked the card. The semi-main would have been the King of the Ring tournament. Why? Because the fucking King of the Ring. He's down now, Mr. No disrespect to Undertaker and Mankind, but I'm sorry. King of the Ring finals should... Into that there. That's what I would have done. Because we did not need the headbangers and Takamichi Noku. Again, and Kai and Tai was irrelevant. Uh, too much and Al Snow and Head. 
head. It was fucking ridiculous. And we already know the tag team title match was why. You had three matches that were useless. You could have cut that shit out, replaced it with the King of the Ring tournament, and kept the three matches that were at least remotely interesting. That would have been a ten times better card. Hashtag the drugs. Yeah, so anyway, that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude the recap of King of the Ring 1998. And make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel check out all of our video content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, January the 28th for the WWE Royal Rumble. That's right. We're getting together for the Royal Rumble. It's going to be one of the biggest events of the year. We are so looking forward to this. Make sure you guys uh, join us so we can find out who will be the winners of the men's and women's Royal Rumble and who will be headlining night one and night two of Wrestle. Mania. Also, we got our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special treat in the works. Also, make sure you guys support the Boochcast. Show your love and support to us by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. Our first level is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. Our second level is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock. So don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WB Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold to the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. So today at $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network. And unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. Now, the best part is all the money that we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe it's going to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed, you know, Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. God, it's a never-ending quest. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. And you be good, stay well, bye bye, keep warm, relax, and eat, take care, stay loose, adieu, bon vieux, à la prochaine, goodbye till when we meet again.